0: Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't, please consider getting involved in sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko-fi-coffee.com slash rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. Australia, Wade Cooper for the win, it's on its way, it's on its way, it's gone, Cooper is
1: the man.
0: Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, where diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby, we're real family friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. My name is Ando, with me is Mitch. Mitch, how are you, my friend?
1: A little heartbroken, I've got to say, uh, with the Wallabies' defeat to Paris, yeah. to France earlier this morning. I <laughs> to only, Paris. To Paris. <laughs> we'll just say Paris won. No, uh, I only got to watch the game a little while ago, so I had to watch it after work. So, I'm still in so the you're morning still feeling. Yeah, yeah still you're still the feeling that stage. pain.
0: Yeah. Well, mate. Well, mate. Um, why don't you quickly roll through the socials and then we'll get into things and we get to kind of rip that bandit off and maybe do some healing for you within this pod.
1: Oh, I hope so. All right. We're on uh, we're on all social platforms uh, except TikTok. Maybe we should get Ando doing some TikTok dances in future. Yep. Let us know can. if you want to see that. I don't. Uh, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast and we should come up. Um, so do get involved in all of those because that's pretty much Twitter really seems to be the one to... Sort of get in contact with us the best. We get a lot of traction that way. But uh, we're still there on Facebook and Instagram as well. So do uh, give us a like
0: and a follow on all of those. In addition to that, we have our Super Brew Weekly Tipping Competition for this Autumn International Series. And I can say that the round two winner is none other than Nelson Dale. So, congratulations. Well, hold on, hold on. Don't. Let's,
1: uh, let's, not, let's not count our, kit- our chickens before they hatch. There is an asterisk series. That's true. We are there recording. is another round yet to go. We are sitting here on Sunday evening recording. So, at time of recording, there are still two games to be played. Uh, so, we'll say that Nelson
0: is penciled in. And penciled. penciled, penciled. Well, hot on his tail is EV, followed by Year of the Tars, and then myself. So I'm pretty stoked with that one. And then overall ranking at the moment, as the time of recording, is Year of the Tars in number one. Dale, well, Nelson, obviously, in number two, and then Mero down to number three. So congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Hopefully, you'll be able to hold those positions with the next two games that are still to come. So tonight on the pod, we are going to be very obviously diving into the Wallabies' result versus France. We'll briefly touch on the other internationals and a couple of other points of interest from rugby across the weekend. There was a lot of rugby that was played. Mm -hmm. Before we then go into uh, the New Zealand versus France match from Rugby World Cup, 2021 uh the reason why we're not going to talk in depth about uh the canada versus england match is because um i've been marking the hsc over the weekend mitch works over the weekend so we just haven't had enough time to watch every single game basically we haven't watched it Unfortunately, we, (laughs) we haven't watched it yet we've caught new zealand france um and so we can talk about that but yeah we just haven't had time so apologies and then we'll go into the locker room so i'm very excited to talk some rugby mate why don't we jump on into it let's go let's go mm mm-hmm. Alright, we move to the most uh, pressing news from the weekend. The one that has made Mitch's soul weep with despair. It was the last minute loss of the Wallabies to France in France as the first official game of the Autumn Nations series. Um, but either way, it was incredibly devastating the way in which Damien Penno ripped the match from the hearts of Australian fans. Mitch, you've watched it relatively recently. What were your immediate takeaways when a buzzer boy
1: it, it's just that hollow feeling that we've sort of come to expect this year as Wallabies fans that we're so close we're so you know we're, we're ahead with a few points to go with two three minutes left in a game and we somehow let the, the wind slip uh yeah. last week was i guess an outlier in, in a lot of regards in that in that area so we did well to get to to, well, I mean, that wasn't even in our hands, really, was it? Scotland missed the shot at goal last week. <laughs> we were so very lucky. We were very lucky yep. to get that win. But again, yep. like, on the one hand, disappointed that we we lost it in that fashion and some sloppy defense, which was really what let uh, France score that try. But at the mm. other, on the other hand, I didn't expect us to do so well. I didn't think we would push France as far as we did. I was expecting the French team to play a little bit better than they did. Uh, yep. So I guess in some regards, with five or six minutes to go, I... I kind of thought I was feeling optimistic. I kind of feel like, felt like we might've had this in the bag.
0: But that's the problem with being a Wallabies fan, isn't it? That there's always hope and that hope always gets crushed, um, which is really one of the challenges that we face. Yep. So I think um, on on that point, I mean, that final try to Pano was just, it was heartbreaking. And um, in the immediate aftermath, uh, I was, when when that um, when that try happened, in the ruck preceding a try, I immediately saw uh, a collision with Gar's head. And that's one of the quick little video that I put up on Twitter that's got a little bit of um, traction and response. My point within that is not to say we lost the game because of that indiscretion, by the way. You made the really good point, Mitch, of saying, we lost the game because we didn't tackle Peno. Two players fell off him in the tackle. Yeah. And so that's how he got over the line. And that's clearly it. And... Also, we lost the game because we let them score 30 points against us. So there were many other moments throughout this game. That was just one of those frustrating, frustrating moments, right? Where you go, man, I feel like this always happens to us. Either we get pinged for something like that or an indiscretion like that is just not noticed um, against us. So I am definitely being a sore loser. Without a shadow of a doubt, but I feel like as a Wallabies fan over the last few years, I've got very good reason to be a sore loser.
1: I mean, it just oh, look we we've been speaking about this so co- consistently this season, which is I guess frustrating, and I imagine the fans don't like us uh, going on and on about the the referees and the TMO intervention. But really, what is the point of having a TMO if they're not going to interject in games when there's sort of like if we're sitting in our living rooms at nine o'clock 930 a.m. on a Sunday morning and can see through the TV screen that that is a, a high contact that needs to be reviewed. How is that missed by the TMO? at yeah. no point was there con- conversation between the TMO yeah. and the referee that we need to yeah. we just need to check this so in most in it feels like it just went unseen.
0: But why don't we we step away from that now that we've got that little bit out of our system and start at the beginning of the game. And the beginning of the game started at a frenetic pace. There was a few penalties traded each way. A really, really impressive opening to the game from the Aussies within the first 20 minutes before somewhat typically somewhat stereotypically in the final 10 minutes of the first half we let them back into the game and what should have been a somewhat comfortable lead for the Wallabies going into the break turned into a French advantage and yet again the Wallabies lost the game lost a game where they were not leading at halftime it's becoming a trend and it's just
1: those you know they call them the championship minutes the what two or three, four or five minutes either side of halftime and we know New Zealand and the All Blacks are so good that's where they they get their advantage at those times. We know we need to be better there, but the players still switch off. And look, there was some frantic passes and tackles and breakaway, you know, kicks that were going on in that last set of play right before the half where they ended up scoring that try. But they ne- the players need to be better. And we don't yeah, we definitely. can't allow the uh, the opposition to to get so much ground on just
0: simple errors. On that point, why don't we... um now that we've covered a couple of things that undoubtedly were our own choosing, our, our own failures. And we'll kind of get to that point again. There's a few stats that I want to bring up to unpack some areas of um, weakness for the Wallabies to work on for the Italy match. Uh, who are some of the players that stood out for you? I'm going to start with Taniil Tupo mm. has had his best game for the Wallabies in probably 12 to 18 months. Um, he he was excellent, really, really strong within the scrum. Like the French scrum is a monster scrum. And yet we got a couple of penalties uh, um against them and yep. and against the to held our own ball like, yeah. yeah yeah and held our own ball so that was just awesome um and tupo was a big big part of that so who else stepped up for the Wolbies?
1: um I'll start with will Skelton uh, we've been talking about his impact and what we need to see from him off the bench or as many minutes as he can get in this series uh look they're' I guess a separate point is around some of the decisions that were made by the coaching staff around when players came on and who they subbed at certain times, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But I was expecting Skelton to hopefully get like 30, 35 minutes, and he only came on uh, 55 minutes in this game. So I was expecting to see him a little bit earlier on in the interchange, but when he did came on, it did take him the first few rucks to kind of really get settled into the game. But from then on, he was in everything. And he was doing the sort of things that we are expecting a player of his sort of size and ability to do. He was trucking the ball up and getting us meters every single carry. He was putting in massive hits in defense. The the mall looked a lot more stable when he was there as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think he he had a, a really positive impact on the game. And that's not to say that our other second rowers, Kaden Caden Neville and uh, Nick Frost didn't play well, but I just think a player of Will Skelton's raw power and ability and just size he can do things that other players can't and so he's a definite uh, player type that we're not currently have in the squad so i would really yeah. like to see him get as many minutes in the next two tests yeah. um, and, and that was
0: indicated by dave rennie in the post-match presser so that Skelton will be starting the next game Brilliant. so that's very exciting it's brilliant. very exciting. Um, okay, so you've spoken to Will Skelton. I'm going to say for the 20 or 25 minutes that uh, Lalakai Fakedi was on mm-hmm. the field, he was absolutely brilliant. So I am really, really disappointed with his injury. Rennie, again, in a post match press, was saying that it's uh, severe injury he'll be going for scans in the morning but they're already talking about replacements so that's really really disappointing for for ketty and this was going to be a great opportunity for him to put his hand forward for that starting 12 position moving forwards uh so all the best for him in whatever the injury is and the recovery process that he'll have mm-hmm. so there's that jock campbell how do you yeah. rate how did you rate jock's performance starting in 15 for the first time
1: yeah i think uh if we're going off his whole game you know he was he he fell off one of those last tackles at the end there. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said in in the interview that after the game with Stan that he was you know devastated by that and that it was his fault that he didn't make the tackle and he needs to learn to be better in those areas and that sort of thing. So it wasn't just him. Tom Wright also fell off the tackle as well. So it, it is harsh. I think that was probably the one blemish on his o- overall pretty good game. So I'd, yeah. I'd be giving him probably a seven and a half for that. Um, would have liked to have given him an eight, but that last try, which ended up unfortunately yep. letting uh, France get away with the, the yep. victory, knocks him down half a point.
0: Yeah, he took all these um, high balls. He distributed pretty well when he came into the line, scored an excellent try kind of going on the outside of the French defender. So he he did a lot of the things quite well. Yep. Uh, you're right. There was just that um, really negative involvement. And there was also... Uh, Somebody has got in touch for the locker room and mentioned an involvement at the end of the first half, which was significant. So we'll kind of speak to that at a later point. Um, A couple of other people that I'll just mention. I thought Dave Parecki was quite sound defensively. Um, Really, really good. His line-out throws were accurate too. Uh, Bobby Valentini continues to impress. And Hunter Paisami, I think, had a pretty good shift when he came on early for Lalakai Forgetti. He was a little bit more accurate with his tackles. Um, he did. He didn't seem to be falling off, or just trying to make the big hits mm. that he's sometimes known for. Yeah, he wasn't rushing out of the um, line as much. Yeah, correct. I still don't think he was in, as incisive in attack as I would have yeah, hoped. Yeah,
1: I think when I when I sort of reflect on Paisami's game and the 25 minutes that Faketti got, it felt like Faketti was more involved in attack, whereas Paisami was more prominent in defence. And that's yeah, not to say yeah. that Faketti wasn't defending well either, but I just didn't see paisami with the the ball in hand and and attacking the line as much as we saw in that 25 minutes that fichetti had on the game so um hopefully i know paisami's shaping is the the first choice 12 now moving forward so hopefully a few extra a few games under his belt will help him sort of cement that position and give him a little bit more confidence in those areas
0: but mate we've gone long enough in this pod without mentioning one of the best tries to the wallabies in the last 5-10 years it was, for those of you who haven't seen it, please go back and watch the match highlights because our description will not do it justice. But essentially, the taking of a chip in behind at the Wallabies try line, a um, bit of a kind of jumble in the air, spread it out through the hands out wide. Tom Wright gets on the outside of the French defence, passes the ball back inside to Jock Campbell, back inside to Lalakai Feketi, end-to-end stuff resulting in one of the best tries. That you have seen as a wallabies fan in the last decade how good was that moment
1: yeah that had me up and and cheering and and riding for ketty home there um it it was so good to see not just that the fact that they made the break and they were able to finish it off but there was options and that was one thing that last week we spoke about like tate mcdermott was great in his little sniping runs from the base of the ruck but he always found himself in space with no one to, to pass the ball to And so that was obviously an area that they'd spoken about this week and were looking to fix. And uh, two players in, in, um, in support there when Tom Wright made that break and were able to finish it off was great to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So on that point, um, there's a couple of other things I'd like us to be touching on. Uh, I think firstly, we do need to give a massive congratulations to France for the win. Um, So obviously a well-deserved win, they're gonna have some areas for improvement. Um, I'm pretty hopeful that this is the last time that the Australian government reneging on their submarine deal will come back to bite the Aussie sports teams in the butt. So please, I'm sorry. On behalf of the australian nation well france. hopefully
1: i mean fingers crossed i don't know what our tests are for next year yet but i think i uh, actually know i think we do play france once before the world cup i think that has been confirmed oh, but i cool. was gonna say if not hopefully we only play france again in a semi-final
0: <laughs> that'd be well it's, and the great thing is like genuinely we can come away from this match believing that we can beat them and knowing we can beat them. So there are a few areas that the Wallabies really, really need to be improving on. And it's actually a bit of a concern. I wanted to raise these for you. So um, in the previous match against – actually, no. Let's start off. Um, Yeah, I'm just getting a bit – confused by things okay so in a previous match against scotland we had 20 missed tackles and we were talking about how that just wasn't good enough at this level well in this match we had 28 missed tackles so that's even worse and we need to be making sure that that improves um breakdown steals we had no breakdown steals this week whatsoever uh, france had eight breakdown steals so that was really significant and again we saw the impact of the wide strong french defenders like dante um being able dante being able to just get themselves over the balls in really real positions so yep. that was really frustrating um that we couldn't improve on that our handling errors were a little bit worse um 10 to 11. We had more bad passes in the previous week. Um, we had basically no offloads, two to 16 offloads. And it was just, there were just elements of inaccuracy within our game. Most of our penalties that we conceded came from ruck infringements and like issues playing the ball on the ground or getting your body trapped on the wrong side of the ruck. It's just these small micro actions that continually pile the pressure onto the wallabies where even though we had a pretty good defensive effort in terms of France spent like 30% of their time in our 22 and we nearly beat them. Um, We converted 4.2 points per visit to 22 compared to 2.2 of theirs so like we were we were more accurate with the opportunities that we gave but if we keep giving teams these opportunities to attack our defensive line then they're going to score points and we just simply need to be better we simply need to be more accurate and I would have hoped that the involvement of someone like Dan McKellar and um Lord Laurie Fisher as well for the longer period they've been there now, would improve that accuracy because it's something the Brumbies pride themselves on. That's my rant. Uh, wh- where, what's your takeaway from any of the points that I've just touched on?
1: Yeah, I think one of the areas that we we highlighted last week and we were expecting to, well, hoping for improvement this week was that breakdown. And Laurie Fisher even spoke to the media before this spring tour and said that it's something they've been working on and he's been telling the players that we just need to be one or two seconds faster to get to the breakdown and we won't turn up the ball over so much just having the the first receiver get there that one second faster would allow us to be able to beat the jackler to the breakdown set the the uh the ruck and then secure our own ball and it was frustrating as you've mentioned in this game that not only was it the the tight five and the the loose like the forward pack really that everyone was getting steals in this game but even the outside backs we being able to get over the ball and to steal that. And I mean, the Wallabies had the game on the line at the end there and they're in the just over halfway and they're building possession, possession, you know, breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. And then the number 12 gets a turnover, which seals the game for France. So it's yep. frustrating. Um, it's one area that we've been talking about consistently that we need to be doing better at and we need to get there and, and clear the players out, but they're just not doing it. And we, you know, we're, we're continuing to talk about it. And moving into the World Cup next year, the way that the game of rugby, particularly international rugby, is forming at the moment is the jackal is the more uh, rewarded player on the field at the moment. It's no longer the attacking team. It's the jackal that's getting rewarded most of the time. So we need to be better in that area because that's going to be a key area in the World Cup next year.
0: All right. So a couple of um, things that I'm going to ask you first off in a moment, I'm going to be asking you who your number 10 is moving forward because Foley had some good moments and then some really bad moments. He was responsible for one of the French tries by shoveling the ball on uh, missing the pass as pressure is getting. Placed upon him and basically France crushed over for a try. Um, that happened again last week as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's quite disappointing. There's a lot of talk about whether Lolisseer or Donaldson, probably Loleseo, would be the person to step in in his place. Should uh it be Lolisseau or Foley moving forwards. I think
1: for the next three tests, so we've got Italy next week, we then play Ireland and then we play Wales. So Foley's already not available for Wales because uh, it falls outside the window. So, look, we're talking about Foley being up and down. We're also talking, and we've been talking about Lalesio being up and down as well. So, there's no clear answer, really, that someone is a good choice that's going to fix all of our problems. But at the same time, with Quade Cooper fit, I think our two, potentially three uh, choices for fly half are Quade Cooper 1, No Alessio 2, with potentially at this point Ben Donaldson three. I don't think Foley's going to make it into selection next year. So at that um, look, this week you need to you need to play Foley or you play Donaldson. I mean, it's Italy. Do you just give him a crack and see what he can do? Whether he can be a little bit more consistent than Lolesio? who knows? But I think we need to now start looking towards the future and just give these young guys a crack because we've seen what Foley can bring, and it's not other than he's. I mean, he's missed one game, one kick in three games. But apart from his accuracy off the tee, he's not scoring us enough points, and he's not directing the backline around as well as we currently need it to.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the really big criticisms is um, or observations is that he is struggling to provide that direction within the backline attack that um, we would we would expect to see from someone with his experience. Yep. What he is doing well is kicking from the tee. And that's great. But there's been twice, uh, once within each game, where he's just completely stuffed up kicks for touch, uh, which is really inexcusable multiple times from one of your. Uh, most experienced players mm. and this game the, the french didn't let the ball drop in between two players and go out anyway so it yeah. wasn't even saved um and when when you think about that like no lolis's kicking accuracy is still pretty fantastic anyway so it's not as though we're going to be losing a huge amount of um accuracy from the tee by having Noah on. And so, yeah, and plus Noah's kicking range is going to be basically the same as Foley's regardless. I mean, my,
1: my only other thought around this and, is just a worry about where Noah is sitting mentally. Uh, you know, Dave Rennie and the Wallabies haven't been great for his development for the last 18 months. He was the first choice in the, uh, the starting fly half for the French series in 2021. And then he was dropped for the rugby championship and then he was dropped or he came in and out due to injury, and then he was dropped for the spring tour last year, and then with another injury, he was called back in. And so he's been constantly told, yes, we need you. Actually, no, you're not doing good enough. We're going to leave you at home. Actually, no, we do need you. There were even talks this year that were going to leave him at home and have a preseason with the Brumbies. It only was the fact that the the Brumbies preseason wasn't going to start for another three weeks that they thought, well, we'll just take him because it's better for him to be in Wallabies camp than sitting at home not doing anything. So it's a big ask for, for Noah, a, a young player of his experience to kind of come in now and sort of been told yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, to now come in and say, Yes, you are the first choice at the moment. But if anything changes or if you don't play well, we're gonna throw someone we're gonna throw it to someone else. So those questions have to be in the back of his mind. If I don't make this kick, am I not gonna play next week? If we lose this game, am I not going to play next week? I mean, yep. those are that's that's a horrible thing for such a young player to manage.
0: I'm, I would hope that there's good man management going on behind the scenes in terms of the conversations that are being had with him and the clarity of expectation and performance is being put out there. Uh, what we might do is we might move ahead to uh, a bit of a discussion about the team for next week. So the Wallabies are going to be facing Italy. And Rev from Rugby Fixation has put together a team for the match against Italy. So you can check this out on Twitter. What, what I'll do, I'll go through the starting pack and then the bench pack. So starting forwards, bench forwards. And I will do starting backs, bench backs. Um, and I'll get your opinions about whether you would agree with this team or whether you would swap anybody in. Okay. So first up, um, we've got number one, Slipper. Two, Parecki. Three, Tupo. Four, Frost. Five, Skelton. Six, Holloway. Seven, McWright. Eight, Samu. Then the bench forwards are Lonigan, Gibbon, Robertson, Swain, and Gleason. Mm.
1: Is this the first test that Swain's back available for? I believe Obviously. so. I assume so. Yeah. Um. Oof. I, I my first choice goes to McRide at 7. I, I just wonder if we need to see Hooper get more game time at the moment. I mean, I know he's he's not you know, he's not made of of steel and he he does need to have a break at times, but he's only played two test matches and I think one of the things that I I sort of noticed in this game was that when we made those substitutes later in the in the second half, Hooper came off, we then took yeah. Foley off that the players all of a sudden lack that experience. And that's one of the things that just having Hooper around on the field, Hooper himself, not necessarily Foley so much, but having Hooper on the field is really calming and just the other players seem to perform better. And we really missed him in the rugby championship this year when he wasn't available. That Some of those tighter games we lost when we probably shouldn't have because we didn't have Hooper's influence there telling players to calm down and to just do our next thing and this sort of thing. So, in some ways, I would prefer to see Hooper there. Uh, but at the same time, look, Fraser mcwright has been performing well for the Wallabies this year, and he needs a shot as well. He's on this tour for a reason. Um, so, yeah, that that's the only sort of change I'd make, other other than maybe um, starting Samu at seven and maybe starting Gleason at
0: eight. Ah, really interesting. Okay, cool. And then having McRight on the bench. Yeah, sure why not because samu and Gleason can both play full games yep. all right cool interesting uh then let's go to the back line lolasiu 10 right on the wing at 11. paisami nikita 12 13 kellaway and campbell 14 15 with the bench backs being mcdermott hodge and pattaya
1: um look i'm i'm starting to sense a trend here and this is probably the most Heavy Queensland dominated side in the 23 that we've seen for the Wallabies for the last uh eighteen months, maybe. So uh, no, there would have been more. Um I I would personally probably rest Kellaway and start Dawasi, or drop Pataya off the off the uh out of the twenty-three and put yep. him in there instead. Yeah. I just think Pattaya's had his chances this year and he unfortunately hasn't delivered whereas we've seen what Wasi has been able to do in the Australia A Tour. And so let's see if we can do that again against Italy.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a part of me that would love to see um, Nick White start at nine to do that partnership with Lola Siu at 10. So they've got the club combination going into the Wallaby set up, but Rennie has been pretty clear in saying that this will be an opportunity for Jake Gordon to get a start. So uh, I don't think that will be happening, which lends me to think that we'll probably see Foley again at 10. Um, because of that Waratah's connection between the two of them. So, look, I hope that we see a team like Rev has put out here, but um, I'm not sure if we will. And for me, I would also like to see Noonganitawase in there somewhere, if that means giving Wright a rest and having Noonganitawase start at 11 or to come in at 23. Uh, Either way, I am understanding of that. So anything else you want to say about the team or match for next week before we move on to a quick comment on some of the other international games?
1: No, I think I think that's it. Um, I, yeah, it, it's interesting to see. Part of me also wants to see Tate McDermott get another start because I think he's only played one test for the Wallabies this year. So, um, has he played one? Has he played any more earlier on? I can't remember. Um, but it's it's clearly the the sort of setup at the moment is Nick White first choice, Jake Gordon second choice, with Tate McDermott third. I feel like yep. this is a great opportunity to give Tate McDermott some more minutes. Um, And But yeah, again, we've got that whole sort of cohesion theory around the amount of game time between players and we don't have a 10 that's going to slot in and perform well with McDermott because we don't have a Reds fly half
0: in the squad. Yep, yep. All right, cool. Well, want to we move on to some of the other international games from the weekend? So, like Mitch and I mentioned before, we've both had busy weekends so haven't caught every game. I've watched the many of the Ireland-South Africa match mm-hmm. and Scotland-Fiji but haven't been able to catch anything of the others. Cool. Um, I'll, um,
1: I'll just run through the scores and then we'll sort it. of say a few points. So, uh, first game of the weekend, Italy beat Samoa 49-17, which I think is a bit of a, a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, second game, Scotland took out against Fiji 28-12. Uh, Wales played New Zealand. New Zealand took away the the victory there with a resounding victory, 55-23. Highest Um, ever
0: win against Wales.
1: Is it? Yeah, great. Um, We then have Ireland and South Africa. Ireland edging ahead of South Africa nineteen sixteen. 19-16. We then obviously had the France and Australia game with France edging it by 1.30 to 29. We then have two games still to come this weekend. We've got England hosting Argentina tomorrow morning. 1:15 australia time or sydney time kickoff and then i think the other game is georgia versus spain um which for some reason isn't coming up in the autumn nation series so it might technically not be part of this series but sort of like a tier two test match Uh,
0: another point to make is that the um england Women's team got up over Canada in their other semi final match. So I think it was 26 to 18 or 26 to 20, something, something in that ballpark. Uh, and suppose it was a fantastic fight back from the Canadian team. So, oh, from um, the World Cup? To yeah, 26 19. Yeah, from the World Cup. Yeah, 26 19. There we go. Yeah. So I'm very, very keen to um, follow that. Um, the Queensland Reds also got up in their tour match. Um, who are they playing? Queensland Reds were playing. Marika Colombete's Wild team. Knights. Wild Knights. Yep. That's it. The um,
1: not. Uh, I can't remember the name. They used to be Panasonic Wild Knights. Are yeah, they still it could Panasonic be, but Wild I think they've just changed it to Wild Knights now. I think they're getting. Oh, maybe not.
0: I'm not sure if they're getting rid <laughs> of the like, the the commercial name or not. Yeah, There's the Wild Knights though. Robbie Dean's coached. Robbie Robbie Dean's. Um, okay, cool. So, um, what else was I going to say there? Oh, yeah. And also, the men's sevens were playing in the um, Hong Kong sevens over mm-hmm. weekend. Yep. So, do you want to talk to us about that?
1: Um, I don't have the scores up in front of me, but I did see their game against Hong Kong and it was an absolute tri-fest for Australia. They just absolutely cruised through that. I then saw that they beat New Zealand quite comfortably 24-27. No, more than that. I'm just going off the top of my head. can't remember the score, but they beat I'm New Zealand the in the pool stages, which... <laughs> Uh, meant that New Zealand didn't get out of the pool in the Hong Kong Sevens, which is a massive thing considering the sort of teams that are competing in uh, the Hong Kong Sevens tournament. So another good tournament for the Australian men's team. And from what I've seen on social media, I think they're into the final, if not like yeah. this, the last semi-final. I think they're up to the yeah, final stage. Yeah, I so.
0: I believe so. So by the time this goes to air, um, we'll have a result for their performance. So they're obviously coming back and trying to defend their um, World World Series title from last year, which is fantastic. So hopefully they're able to get up and get the chockies which is body good news. So, um, look, a couple of quick points. Uh, Again, from what you were saying, I was a bit confused or surprised about the magnitude of the Italian win, so Mm -hmm. I might go back and watch that to get a bit more information. Uh, In terms of Ireland-South Africa, far out, that was a brutal game, absolutely brutal. Um, Unsurprising, really, when you consider the nature of both of the teams and the four dominance that they try and um, impart upon... The opposition, but that was. I that think was one a thing to sort
1: difference. of take away from this test match is that at this level, you can't afford not to have a goal kicker in your squad. Yep. And yep. So, we're was looking it William, at a completely different Lente result. Yeah, a completely different result. Like even before he went off, there were some shots at goal that were, you know, questionable at, at best. Um, so yeah, at this level, like if, if they nailed some of their shots, we're looking at a different result. So very costly for them, but you can't take that away from Ireland either. They. They did really well and they ground that victory down.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. Um, how weird is it to have a South African team that doesn't have like an established goal kicker? They can kick the ball from like 70 meters out. It's just, it's just weird. Well,
1: they're no longer playing on the high veld So everything... <laughs> this is true. Takes a <laughs> lot of Anything goes when yeah. you're in a high belt. Um, I, I okay. also wonder if, just, just on a touch on this, I wonder if the... Uh, like South Africa joining the URCS in some way, not coming back to bite South Africa on the butt a little bit, but these English sides, oh, well, these European sides now have a bit of a blueprint in how to beat the the Springboks or South African teams. But the Springboks now, um, Ireland has two teams in that competition that are very heavily dominated within this um, island side, so Munster and Leinster, and they've now gone on to beat South Africa, which I think a lot of people were expecting South Africa to win this Test match. So. Uh, interesting to see I, I'm not sure if they do play Wales If that's coming up I know they play France next week And so As a sort of Southern Hemisphere Sansar fan We're sitting here Hoping that they can avenge Our defeat this morning In Paris But it'll be interesting To see how they go
0: Yep Yep Well mate I think that's it For the internationals um, And yes The Aussie 7s Are into the final uh, They beat France in the Are they sem- playing 10-7? England? Um, do there? I don't know Yeah <laughs> I don't know right now. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, but either way, let's jump on in. We want to talk now about the Rugby World Cup 21 before we then get into the locker room. So let's head on into it. Let's go.
1: All right. Time to get into Rugby World Cup 2021 chat now. So we had the two semifinals being played over the weekend. The first semi semi-final was held between Canada and England. England came away victor- victorious in that game 26-19. We then had uh, the New, Z- New Zealand hosting France in the second semi-final. That that game came right down to the wire with New Zealand getting the win 25-24 over France. We'll talk a little bit more about that game in a minute, but that moves us on to the Rugby World Cup final for 2021/2022 and we have England and New Zealand playing the final next Saturday the 12th of November. At Eden Park, 7.30 local time kickoff, 5.30 Australia time or Sydney
0: time. AEDT, yep.
1: Yep. Uh, we then have the bronze final being played before that. So that's 2.30 p.m. kickoff in Australia or Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, uh, 4.30 local time Canada versus France in that game. So I haven't had a chance, unfortunately, to watch a lot of this. I've seen some of the highlights, but Ando, you've seen a little bit more of this game than I have. What were your thoughts around this semifinal between New
0: Zealand and France? Uh, it was an incredible game. A really, really incredible game. You had a lot of the attacking endeavour from the uh, from the Black Ferns going up against just a defensive wall from the French. That that defensive integrity that they displayed in that pool round match against England was on display here. It was it was a really physical and brutal encounter. Where um, you, do you remember how I I made this prediction? That I thought that the Black Ferns were going to try and play really attacking fast up tempo somewhat unstructured rugby to try and tire out the English and move them around the pitch a lot more uh that was on display within this game and they were trying to run the ball with their from everywhere almost to a fault yeah. um and so it had kind of shades of the Fijiana performance in a way <laughs> of taking quick taps here and there. Uh, so at, at, a, at a few times they went too far, they ran away from the supporting players and got the ball turned over. Um, and look, it was it was one of those characteristic performances from the French uh, fly half, Caroline Drouin. And she had a few really, really strong moments. And then in a kind of dying 15, 20 minutes of the game, kicked the ball out on a full from a goal line clearance. Um, Or was that end of the first half? Might have been end of the first half. Um, And then she shanked, absolutely shanked the clutch penalty kick to win the game in the final uh, minute of play. So I really feel for her. It was a kickable goal. She's a decent kicker. She just massively, massively shanked and um, choked and the ball barely got to the try line itself so i feel really sorry for her
1: it's really it's really hard isn't it like they've they've performed really well in this world cup and so to to go out like this like if she had just kicked that goal massive upset kick the hosts out of the world cup final going into an all european world cup final for the first time in however many years it's been for the women's that's that's a massive thing and so it, it it's unfortunate for her that they weren't able to get it done um, it's unfortunate that they you know it comes down to a kick and they weren't able to pull it off. In some ways, it would have been better if New Zealand had just been able to score a try or kick a penalty of their own to to get ahead because it just that's that what if moment. like the the thought in your head is at least they won the game, we didn't lose it, which is what I think a lot of those French players are now feeling, which is so it's such a shame. But they're gonna have to pick themselves up. They've got a game next week to finish third. So you know there's there's still a lot to play for.
0: Yep, there really is. And there were a couple of great comments from um, Wayne Smith, the coach of the Black Ferns after the game, who were basically just – he was identifying some of the errors that the Black Ferns were making and some areas for improvement moving forward. So we weren't really accurate enough. It was a matter of just calming down, being more accurate. Uh, we probably should have played a bit wider off some of our phase plays rather than trying to hit in too close. You need courage to do that. But we did it in the second half early on and got us into a good winning position. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes early on, kept giving them possession in our half, which they used really well. As soon as you give them driving lineouts, you're in trouble. And we've got another team next week that are going to be the same. So. So the th- this is going to be an absolutely blockbuster match next weekend and I'm really, really excited to see this. Um, luckily my wife is out for the day and so I've got the boys at home and I'll be making them watch this game <laughs> and they can just, I'll just walk them outside or something like that if they if they don't want to watch it or I'll lock myself outside and they can just play in the house. Um, but make <laughs> sure that you get involved and watch this game. It's going to be great fun.
1: It really is and it'll be interesting to see how uh, like you said this week that well, you said in the preview for this game that we were expecting, uh, you know, and in the, how this game did unfold, that the sort of flair of New Zealand came up against a defensive dominant side. It will be interesting to see if they can do it a second week in a row against England because mm-hmm. England will bring what France brought, but maybe just that extra step up and that little bit more clinical. So England yeah. will make New Zealand pay for every opportunity that they squander. So it will be interesting to see how it goes. And I mean, let's let's do it now. Who who are you who are you tipping? World Cup final, England, um, New Zealand, Eden Park.
0: Yeah, okay. Head is tipping England, heart is tipping New Zealand um by about 13 14. I'm going head England, heart England.
1: And that's because England kicked us out, and so if they go on to win the comp, that's better.
0: That's fine. We we lose to the champions. Yeah. We, right. we always see the champions. Yep. No, that's fair enough. Um, there's just something I really like about this New Zealand team and I'd love yeah. to see them win. And it'd be so special for them to win the Rugby World Cup at home against the best women's rugby team that we've ever seen yep. and break England's winning streak at the same time. It'd, it'd just be gold. So there's a storyline and a narrative there as, that yeah, I, I mean, want to come true. Yep. But I don't think it will.
1: I was going to say, as we've said in the lead up to the Wallaroos game, you know, the the streak has to end sometime. And so we were hoping it would end (laughs) that week.
0: So it does. It did not, but maybe it'll end this week. Who knows? That's right.
1: I mean, they can't go on for fifty six again, surely.
0: Surely. Surely. Well, anyway, why don't we jump on through into the locker room now? You did this last week, mate, so I'll I'll, I'll read them out this weekend. Fantastic. Let's go. So we're going to start with Michael Tomlinson. Thanks for getting in touch, mate. Should we throw caution to the wind and run with Ben Donaldson and Noah for the rest of the series? Nard was good off the tee but was caught short on a few occasions in general play. Why not back the young guns? Mitch,
1: uh, I kind of alluded to this. Oh, you did say this, this. might yeah. be what yeah. we need to do moving forward. But my biggest fear and I guess hesitation is that Ireland game. Ireland just beat a pretty uh, forward-dominated uh, Springboks team overnight. So we need to be on point to be able to match it with Ireland at the moment. And uh, there was one comment that Nick McArdle made in... made. Mm-hmm. In the uh, the coverage this week after the game, and he said that Dave Rennie had sort of said in some media interviews prior to this test that he has his best squad or his best 23 penciled in for the Island Test, and so I wonder if that means that he's got Foley in mind to play that test just because he doesn't quite think that. I mean, Ben Donaldson isn't up to play an Island team, and if we throw him in, then throw him in now, that's just unfair on the bloke. Uh, Noah Alessio as well. I think Dave Rennie also has some questions. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Foley for that last Island test. But uh, as we've said previously, I think Noah plays against Italy. And even if he does play against Ireland, it's probably not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't mind seeing Noah given the last three games um, of the tour. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Foley, Foley, Noah as the three options um i'll be a bit disappointed if that's the case i wish i wish noah would get more game time but we'll see um okay dr joshua Yuvaraj. does the fact that we don't have winners from super rugby versus likely top 14 premiership urc etc winners throughout the top sides is that a hindrance seeing a four-point lead out takes championship mouse and our sides lose at the death see the brumbies this year's super rugby Mm. semi-final uh i'll comment on this one really quickly before i throw to you yeah Yeah, it does. It it is definitely a hindrance. And it's something that we've spoken about previously that there is a – winning mentality that teams develop when they win and it's that composure and confidence to trust themselves trust the team and the players around them to make the right decisions and the right involvements in the clutch moments within a game that counts which is why we saw New Zealand before they had their slight form dip over the last 12 months be a team that for the last decade almost would almost consistently score within 10 minutes at the beginning or the end of sorry at the end of the first half beginning in the second um so those those championship minutes require championship players and we just don't have enough players that have experienced regular success within their rugby careers uh mitch
1: yeah i agree with what you're saying there and it, it it is an area that i think ra understands and they've highlighted and so we need to get our players experiencing sudden death footy more often And what does that look like? We've spoken about the the structures, but really we just need to see some form of Australia, of uh, Australia Super Rugby, Super Rugby AU, uh, bring that back. Just have a comp between the four, five, six Australian Fijian sides. Even if we play that as like a um, end of year tour sort of competition at this time when the teams are already over playing Japan, um, that gives the players something to play off. And if we do that, we need to make sure that we have a final structure so that we've got uh, semifinals and finals so that they get experience playing sudden death footy. Because at the moment, these players, as we've highlighted, don't have that experience. They don't have um, that... I guess it's also this little, like those, those twitch fibers that when you get under the, the pressure of those big moments that you're confident and you back your ability to know that you can do this. You can yep. tell yourself 100 million times that you're going to be good, you're going to be fine to, to set that scrum, to, to kick that goal. But unless you've done it once, to two, three, four times, you don't know if you're actually going to pull it off.
0: Yeah, exactly. So on that point... Um... Actually, no, not on a point. But I'll just continue on. <laughs> Craig Bowers got in touch saying, "12 months out from the Rugby World Cup, and we don't know who our 10 is. Foley is not the answer. Who knows if Quaid will recover? And Rennie doesn't trust lot See you. Time to back Lodi. See you, and one of the other young 10s, so the Quaid becomes the icing on the cake. Yep. We've already spoken to that, Craig. So we won't we won't respond to it again. Um, Mitch has put forward kind of our views on the fly half situation quite well. So we'll jump now to kick the ref in the ghoulies. By the way, that is still. The best twitter handle going around so i'm just 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 saying that without a doubt uh boysies we're close effort like that will win us games game errors happen like 15 other blokes on field trying to make them happen but as long as the tenacity is there we'll get the chocolates and that i think mitch is a fantastic takeaway to have from the match this week as disappointing as this loss is Unfortunately, we're used to that. Um, But it was a really improved performance in many areas. We've spoken about some of the points and some of the accuracies that need to be improved, particularly around tackle and ruck involvements or ruck penalties. But you can't doubt the tenacity and effort from this team and the improvement that we saw from last week.
1: Yep. And I think that's one thing that, I mean, this team, we've said it before, this team deserves our support. Like They're putting everything on the line. I think there were times under the checker era where some of the tests that were being played and some of the decisions that were being made was just as a fan, you're just sitting there tearing your hair out. The you know losses against Argentina when we should have we should have comfortably won with our best team on the field. Like we didn't have some of the selection or injury issues that we're currently having under Cheka and yet we still weren't performing. And so, play p- fans were just getting a bit disenfranchised with everything. We can see that this team has heart, and they're playing. They're putting everything into the jersey. They're bleeding for the country. So they deserve us to support them through that. Uh, It will come. We are very close. When we look at, and we've spoken about this so many times, when we look at the injury list, the players that we can come back, just naming three players to come back from injury, Samu Karevi, Quade Cooper, uh, and who else can I throw in there? We'll just go with those two. Isaac Um, Rotter. Isaac Rotter. But, um, I mean, he doesn't necessarily break a team open. But... um, Samu Krevi, you know, having a player like his caliber back is going to lift the players around them and just getting those championship minutes and seeing off those last minutes in games is what we currently are lacking. But if we continually do it and we show that we're competing right up until that final whistle, we will get better.
0: Agreed. Well, mate, let's finish on that moment of encouragement. Thank you, everybody, for getting to this point in the pod. It's been an absolute pleasure. And good to talk. Um, some areas for improvement, but also some positive moments as well within the weekend's rugby. Don't forget to tune in for the Rugby World Cup 21 final on Saturday afternoon early evening. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Obviously, get behind the Wallabies as well. And hopefully, by the time this comes out, our Rugby uh, Sevens men's team will have clinched the first victory in the Hong Kong Sevens to defend their World Series title. So, Mitch, it's been a pleasure being here with you, my friend.
1: Likewise. Uh, it's always great to chat rugby every single week. Hopefully, we'll be back next week. Not too sure in terms of schedules, where our availability is sitting at. So, yep. hopefully, we'll be there. If not, we will be back very soon. Easy King. Catch you, mate. Bye. All right. See you, everyone. Bye.